College football is almost here. We're 28 days away from kickoff, 35 days away from uh, Oregon's football season. It's good to be back. We're so close. This We're is, so close. Yeah, this is probably going to go up on Wednesday. We're recording this over the weekend, so we'll have probably the second practice report in by then from uh, Fake News, Rob Mosley. Where everything is sunshine and rainbows. It's. Uh, I'm not, not going to lie. I really like Rob, though. I do. He gets so much crap. It's like, now we're already off on our first tangent. Perfect. He's, he's doing his best, people. He's an employee of the athletic department. Come on, Rob! Like, what do you, what, what are people expecting him to do? Like, wow, these players really suck. No, we're not going to do that. Do that. Kid, Rob. Don't, don't do that to the kids, Rob. <laughs> um, so, we're going to be previewing the Pac North, Pac 12 North. Um, Oregon was projected to finish fourth in the division. Uh, the projections by, as voted by members of the Pac-12 media, it was Washington, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, and Cal. Everybody's got it out for us. It's fine. Haters. They're all just a bunch of haters. I'd like to say happy 4th of July to all the haters, <laughs> losers. Um, real quick, real quick, before we start on this preview, because we are an Oregon Ducks uh, site and podcast, let's start with the most important things, which is uniforms. We're yes. recording this on Saturday. The Blazers just unveiled their new uniforms. What do you think? I liked them. Obviously, they can't go too crazy because it's like the NBA and they have rules about jerseys. I thought it was a pretty big improvement, though. Yeah, I love it. Um, the font is okay. I'm really happy that we're getting away from italics. I like the cut. I like the fact that they didn't mess with them too much. Um, and I like the fact that there are two more that are coming, apparently, in fall and winter that are going to give us an option to have crazier uniforms. So, super happy. Just thought I would touch on that real quick because we love uniforms and all things that are shiny and new. Well, also, Taggart made a comment at Pac-12 Media Day about Oregon's uniforms. And he says that they're going to go back to simpler uniforms with traditional colors. Which, which, in all honesty, this is really how, how crazy things have gotten with our uniforms. That really just means we're going to see like the 2010 uniforms where it's all the same the same design but we have like black white gray yellow and green pants i i would be okay with that i'd be okay with going back to the same template at least and then just messing with the colors um that is one of the things in the past couple years that has been a little bit confusing where it's like all right sure we're wearing white but which white are we wearing no one knows. It got in the kids' heads. That's why we were so bad last year. But now that we're going back to templates, then we'll be fine. Order has been restored. Right. And it was stuff, too, where it was like, okay, we're going to go like the web fit uniforms. Like, that's fine. Whatever. But that's after, like, the puddles uniforms or the, du- the, the duck uniforms. 
which is after those weird like white villain uniforms and all this stuff and like the yellow with like all the bursting like black feathers on it uniforms and it was just like they're all so different from each other there's no cohesion at the same time I always like to remind myself that as much as I would like to be the target of these uniforms they're not not anymore yeah they're not for me I'm not that target demographic anymore which is really sad but you know whatever we'll just enjoy them and it seems to be working on the recruiting trails so we'll be fine yeah and I definitely feel like the the idea of having just tons and tons of uniforms there's there's like uh what's it called not decaying benefits or what is it marginal benefits where basically the more of it you have, the actual worse it gets. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. It's like popcorn uh, at a movie theater. Uh, I'm blanking on the term. We Whatever. both know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, All right. Now that we've talked uh, about uniforms for 12 minutes, <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, and go ahead and do a, pre- a preview. All right. So. Um, let's just go down the the order of projections, which means we start with Washington. Mm, they're the worst. Let's just get but it over with. Let's yeah, let's. let's get it over with. Um, uh, so Vegas over under has them at ten wins. I have them on the over. Yeah, that sounds about right. Unfortunately. Um, they are, I think, according to Vegas, and then according to S and P, they're favored in every game except for the Stanford game, which they have on the road. Um, last year, they only lost two games in the regular season. Um, one was and, to, well, no, they only lost one game in the regular season, and they lost yeah, their second loss was to Alabama. Yeah, and then yeah, and then they lost to USC. At Washington, where they just looked awful um, against Oregon, they're projected to win in that game seventy percent of the time. Um, so, what do you think? Unfortunately, I think they're very good. Again, um, they lose John Ross, but then they also have uh, just Dante Pettis, who's, I guess, really good. Also, it's not exactly like. A total replace, and we're we're back to normal. But he's an exceptional receiver. Um, Miles Gaskin is back. Drew Sample is back. Uh, three linemen are back on offense, and then of course they have quarterback Jake Browning, um, who's really good. He's not the fastest, but he's solid. He's quick. He's got a good burst. Um, I feel like Browning, for whatever reason, maybe it's just the comic ineptitude of Washington for the past decade. But for whatever reason, when I think of Jake Browning, I just don't think that he's that impressive. But then I look at his stats and he's he's a good I mean, now for his career, he's over 6,000 yards passing. He's only thrown a total of 19 interceptions in I think over 750 attempts. So he takes care of the ball rather, rather well. Um 
I really think in terms of offense, because of how many returners are coming back, their only real weakness that I see, um, unless injuries take their toll, is that I feel like Brown tends to hold on to the ball too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even with their very good O-line last year, he took 25 sacks last season. Yeah, and I think, too, last year, Browning just had, I think, such a big improvement, maybe not just statistically, but also just looking at um, just, like, his kind of command of the offense. In a lot of ways, too, he's really efficient and not in, a, like, a point guard sense of the word, but he is very kind of comfortable. Even though he has legs, I think him holding onto the ball for so long is really kind of trusting in his own arm abilities because a lot of the times that he scrambles it's to set up a better passing opportunity which is kind of unique for somebody who is as good of a runner as he is um well it helps too that i feel like last year he he could really trust the put skill guys around him you know when peterson was first hired that cupboard was pretty much bare so yeah difficult to hold on to the ball and hold on the ball when you don't trust your skill position guys to actually get open and make you plays. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, the loss of John Ross, anytime you lose a sub four, three guy that is significant. Um, but they have plenty of skill position guys. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm never going to forgive Browning for pointing at who was it? I think it was like Khalil Oliver when he scrolled into the end zone. Um, real, real jerk move. But I am honestly so excited to beat Washington again. Maybe not this year, but you know. Can you imagine how great that would be? I would laugh so hard. That they would I would honestly be so happy if we beat Washington this year. It would if be we great. went one eleven and beat Washington, I'd be fine. Straight up. Uh, what What do you think about their defense? I really like it. See, uh, I have questions about their defense. Um, I think they they certainly have strengths. Their D-line is going to cause a ton of havoc. Um, but they also lost their top three cornerbacks and Buda Baker. Right. Uh, Buda Baker is a monster. He, yeah, he... More and more, him going from Oregon to Washington turned out to be a big deal. Uh, at least last year. I think their their defensive line is really good, but I don't know if it has a lot of depth. So if the injury bug bites them, they could find themselves in a lot of shootouts, which, you know, they probably have the skill guys on offense to, to manage there. But if some guys start going down, it could turn from, you know, a 10-2 and two team to a nine and three team and eight and four team. Yeah. I don't think that's and, likely, but I think that's a possibility. And that's certainly underperforming. Um, but you know, obviously the year after you play Alabama in the, the final four, there's nothing to worry about in terms of Peterson being on a hot seat or anything. Right. Right. I mean, I really don't think there's a situation where Peterson's really going to be on a hot seat. Um, I don't know. Although, 
Hofrich went from national championship to fired in two years. So, yeah, about that. Let's let's just never talk about that again. So, I mean, yeah, it's just things change so fast in college football today. Yeah, you're right. Um, there's really there's really no down years. Obviously, coming out later, it turns out there's a lot kind of bigger issues going on than just some than just kind of like the total win loss record. But yeah, kind of going back to your point about the DB depth is Kevin King um, went was the first pick in the second round. Uh, Buda Baker went fourth in the second round, and then Sidney Jones went eleventh in the second round. So that's three of their best defensive backs, basically. Um, their biggest to be their secondary is from last year to this year. It's a story of a more talented Colorado. You know, Colorado had a very good secondary last year. They had a what two or three guys all go to the NFL. And so that leaves a question mark. You know, it may be that guys can step in and perform right away, especially at Washington where they've had good recruiting classes. But anytime you have new guys on the secondary and young guys on the secondary, that doesn't necessarily bode well. Yeah, and secondary is... It's a lot easier for... How do I put this? It's a lot easier for freshmen to play in the secondary role, but I think it's a much tougher role to like adopt technically, if that makes sense. Just you yeah. don't have to be as physically like developed the same way you have to on the line. Um, but I think the biggest thing with this Washington team is that they had a ton of skilled players last year, but their two losses came because their lines were just dominated by the other team. Maybe not dominated um, against USC, but USC clearly had the better lines um, on both sides of the ball, and that's that's really what was the difference maker. And then also just with the uh, in the bowl game against Alabama, that was really what what did them in because they didn't score after that first initial drive. Um, they did not score and. Alabama pretty much just was able to just keep running the football um, with Bo Scarborough. You know, they did a good job for the most part, but, you know, Bo had two huge runs over time that were kind of like little little jabs here and there and then just one huge, like, kind of knockout punch. So, and how sweet that was. That was great. I love that. All right, let's um, stop talking about Washington because it's just making me angry. Okay, a uh, couple things. One thing I want to point out, though, is, like, their defensive line, Vita Vea, and Greg Gaines Jr. are respectively 344 pounds and 321 pounds. That's a As lot. As Harpies would say, they have the meat. God, that's so big. Like, that's just so big. At what point do football players stop getting bigger? I don't Diminishing know. Diminishing returns. That's what it was. Like, at what point... Diminishing returns. There we go. At what point... Is being 370 pounds too much? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a question for another day. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, sorry, <laughs> that's my dogs. Um, let's move on. Yeah, okay, so just to clarify, I have them on the over. 
Um, the only games I think that they're really going to be pushed are um, is really just the USC or the Stanford game where they're at Stanford because they miss USC this year. They're at yeah, Rutgers, which is like scheduling did them a favor. Yeah, for the second year in a row. Last year their schedule was one of the most comical things I've ever seen. Um, and one of the things too from last year is that they had uh, they had two near losses or they had two close wins last year they went to arizona pushed them to overtime and then they needed like a late punt return against utah um so that's something to take into account um let me see if i can find their turnover differential real fast because that's another thing too yeah so the turnover differential in 2016 was plus 18 some teams are just are just coached really well to cause turnover so there's definitely a possibility that that sustains, but a couple of the biggest things, but turnovers can large, a fair amount of what goes into turnovers is randomness. Um, and so if we look at like a couple of close wins um, and then also possibly a regression back to the mean um, on turnovers, then that could also make it a little bit choppier, but I just think they're such a good team. Um, this, so they're at Rutgers, hosting Montana, hosting Fresno State, at Colorado, maybe tough, just because Colorado's still like a pretty good team. Then at Oregon State, hosting Cal. At Arizona State, bye week, hosting UCLA, hosting Oregon. Like They could realistically be undefeated going into their game against Stanford on a Friday. You know, actually, interestingly enough... Like, are they going to lose three games out of that schedule? I don't believe so. I don't think uh, so. The... the Obviously, the the biggest game on their schedule is at Stanford. Yeah. But the game that I'm really interested to see what would happen on is the the following week where they host Utah. Because yeah. let's say you beat Stanford and you get pounded by Stanford because of the scheme that they run. I mean, anytime the week after Stanford is going to be hard. Yeah, it's like uh, playing a. It's like the week after playing a triple option team. Exactly. So that that week where they host Utah may be a little bit more difficult than one would think, um, especially now that Utah has Darren Carrington as a playmaker. Um, now they're helped by that game being at home, but that's one that I'm that I'm looking for. But other than that, um, you know, you hope that Oregon will beat them. Um, but I don't really see any other losses on that schedule other than possibly Stanford. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe they'll drop one. Um, I know looking last year, I mean, they beat everyone they were supposed to. The only game you could say that they, I mean, but USC was so good by the end of the year. Um, and I think, too, just looking at like maybe the year prior, uh, I mean, they lost to Boise State. They lost to Cal. Um, but, you know, that was when – that was. they also had a huge bump from 2015 to 2016. All right, regardless, let's move on to Stanford. Um, so Stanford's over-under projection yeah, Stanford is – let me look here on my list. They're favorite. Eight and they're a half. Favorite they're favorite in every game except for their game um, against USC – and Washington? No, they're, yeah, they're favorite, they're favorite in Washington. Yeah, they're favorite in Washington because they host. 
So they're favored in every game against US, except for USC. They're ra- rated as a 71% to win by S&P against Oregon, um, which they host on October 14th. Um, honestly, I would... If I had more confidence in their quarterback, Keller Christ, I would pick them as the favorites to win the North because they return their top two wide receivers. They return six offensive linemen. Um, they The people that have vacated, they've had really good recruiting with four stars and five stars to step in. Um, I just, I'm not sold on Keller Christ because he really improved towards the end of last year in the last three games. Um, but as an asterisk, those games were against Oregon, Cal, and Rice, which yeah. don't have the best defenses in the world. And they also lost Christian McCaffrey. So um, I think they're cer- certainly second tier compared to Washington, at least on paper, offensively. Uh but their defense is very good. It's very young. They played mostly sophomores last year on defense. So their linebackers and their secondary are basically all juniors. Um, and they have Solomon Thomas, who can cause havoc on the D-line. He graduated. Uh, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> anyway, never mind. They don't have Solomon Thomas anymore. But... <laughs> Their scheme is such where it's not necessarily something where the defensive line needs to create a ton of havoc. They mostly play how Oregon used to play, where their D-line soaks up blockers, and then they let their linebackers and secondary go to work. Yeah. So I I think Stanford is going to be really difficult to play this year, especially considering, just like the Washington game, Oregon has them on the road. Um I don't know. Uh, I, I think they they could certainly beat Washington at home. Um, it's. I don't think Stanford is the most fierce place to play in the world. But, it's not. But it'll be interesting. I if I had any more confidence in their quarterback, I would rank rank them over Washington. Yeah, and I think that with Christian McCaffrey, I think running backs are the easiest position to replace by far. Like, McCaffrey was an amazing player. Um, you know, could have debatably won the Heisman two years ago. I think Derrick Henry was the rightful choice, but you could, you could, I mean, you could make a solid case for McCaffrey. My, it's my personal opinion that Derrick Henry was better or the more outstanding football player that year. Um, but they had eight guys back on offense, eight guys back on defense. Like you said, a ton of sophomores played last year. It's pretty junior heavy. Um, they lost Solomon Thomas and Dallas Lloyd. Solomon Thomas was like a really high draft pick who played a bunch of different positions. But they are just like the definition of consistency. They have won more than 10 games um, the last five years, except for 2014. Um, like 2012, they won 12 games. 2013, they won 11 games. 2014, they only won eight, but their losses were to number 14, USC, number nine, Notre Dame, number 17, Arizona State, number five, Oregon, number and number 25, Utah, in double overtime. So it's not like they just lost to a bunch of bad teams. And then they beat number nine, UCLA, that same year. Um, Stanford is just the college football spurs. 
they bore you into submission and then before you know it you're knocked out and they won the game yeah yeah and it's just I think they're going to be fine with McCaffrey without McCaffrey they're going to be fine McCaffrey had the real benefit of running behind or running through some gargantuan holes like he's one of the fastest players one of the shiftiest great out of the backfield catching the ball but he just had this huge hole so often. Um, and the fact that they return so many offensive linemen bodes yeah. well for whoever replaces him. Right, yeah. So they have to replace a running back and tight end. Uh, but otherwise, you know, they get everybody back except their left guard. Um, I just, I think this line is so low. I think eight and a half is so low. They're playing at, at, uh, they're playing Rice in Sydney, Australia, August 26th. Um, and then they play at USC two weeks later. So their first bye is really week one of the college football season. Um, and their second game, though, is at USC. So at USC, at San Diego State, that's a couple of tough games back-to-back. San Diego State's a feisty team. Um, they are, but they lost to Nell Pumphrey. Um, so I I wouldn't worry too much about San Diego State. There, in my opinion, I don't think SDSU is going to be the same Aztec team that they were last year. Um, I mean, I look at Stanford's schedule; they certainly have a harder schedule than Washington by having to play at USC, by having to play at Utah. Um, they do host Washington, but then they have to go to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is not going to necessarily be 4-8 and eight again this year. So uh, they, have, they have a hard schedule, and they have an unproven quarterback, which is why ultimately I think that Washington is probably going to win the North. Spoiler alert. I think so, too. I think so, too. I think with, with Stanford's schedule, they're in a good spot to – to be able to beat pretty much every game, win every game on their schedule. Um, I mean, there's no way out of the schedule they lose four games. Even if you take, like, the toss-ups. Like, even if you say, like, they lose to USC and they lose to Washington, and, like, are they going to lose two games out of UCLA... Utah, Notre Dame, Oregon. Like, they're not going to lose two games out of that group. I would assume so. Eight, eight and a half is is such a layup to me. Eight yeah. and a half is an over. Ten for Washington is an over easy. Um, I think if there's one team that's really operating off efficiency right now or, like, going counter to what everybody else is doing, it's Stanford. Because every defense is having to get faster and, therefore lighter in order to keep up with all the spread offenses and Stanford's offense is just like you know we're going to go the opposite direction because their interior offensive line is going to be weighing 307 pounds 318 pounds 346 pounds you know and I, I think that's interesting that you mentioned that because we'll get to this um later and you know maybe we want we'll just want to transition to it now, but uh, I think we're going to see more of that uh, in the north, especially 
you look at what Gary Anderson did last year at Oregon State, they're basically the baby Stanford with their offense. I mean, they have a good crop of running backs. They do ball control offense. They fly around with their linebackers. Um, Minus the nerds. Yeah, I think he's he's Gary Anderson is setting up to try and be a more efficient Stanford. That, I guess that would be his hope. Um, so who is next in the uh, pecking order? Uh, based off the Pac-12 ranking, we would go to Washington State. Ooh, Washington State is one of my favorites. Uh, not just because we're friends, because we hate the same people, but I feel like Washington State is the ultimate Pac-12 after dark team. So based on S&P, they are favored in five games. They are underdog in five games. And it is exactly 50% toss-up in two of their games. Wow. It's going to be so much fun. Washington State is, is so much fun. Especially because it's Mike Leach and he just does weird stuff just like all the time. I mean, when you're in Pullman away from civilization, you can do whatever you want. Um, Literally. I think, Did you know that I'm, Idaho and Washington, University of Idaho and Washington State are like eight minutes apart from each other? Yeah. Apparently. Apparently. The one of the reasons why Washington State is that far out is because like they were drawing some like state lines or something, and so they put a university as far out as possible. Hmm. Good to know. Well, we all got our history lesson for today. Or maybe I'm entirely wrong. I remember reading that though. So Washington State has they have Luke Falk back, which is a huge plus. Um, which seems like. For this sixth year in a row, I feel like he's been there forever. It really does. It but really maybe does. it's maybe it's because I think him and Connor Halliday are like the same person. Right. Well, Connor Halliday was injured a lot, and so we saw Luke Falk come in at like multiple times during the seasons and start. Yep. Um, and I think Luke Falk has missed at least one game each year, two, if I'm remembering correctly. So, and I mean, his backup is Tyler Helinski, who complete who only took about thirty passes last year. But Luke Falk last year had a seventy percent completion ratio, ratio or percentage, almost forty five hundred yards, thirty eight TDs, and eleven interceptions. You know, the thing that I can't figure out though about their offense, and maybe it's just because they they pass to run so much, but. You think of a Mike Leach offense, you think of the ump tempo, you think of air raid, but for all of that um, emotion that comes with that, last year and for the last couple years, they have had little to no explosive plays. They were one of the most efficient offenses in the league, but they had barely any large plays. Yeah. Uh, And when you couple... A, the fact that they've struggled to keep their quarterbacks upright in the past, you know, four years with Halliday and Falk. Um, and the fact that you then are having to do longer drives where you're passing the ball. 
that that can create some real issues on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and the fact that they lost two of their best wide receivers after last season, I don't have a ton of faith in their offense's ability to make up for their defense's weaknesses. You know, I, I think they're going to get the stats. They're going to get in shootouts with people. Uh, the real question for me is whether they will lose to a non-D1 team for the third year in a row to start the season. Or a non-FBS uh, team. Yeah, non-FBS team. Um, that, that'll be fun. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I know that the, the media had picked them to, to come in third in the north. To me, that seems high. Because yeah. I look at what they lost, um, both on offense and on defense, where they lost half of a secondary, which was already suspect. They lost their D-line coach to us. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of question marks. And when you have so many close games, like two of their games are projected to be literally coin flips, their special teams has been awful over the past three or four years. And if you ha- in a close game, as we know, if your special teams is bad, that's not that doesn't bode well for you. Right. And like last year they dropped the opener to Eastern Washington. Um, they lost by three to Boise State. They had close wins over UCLA, Arizona State, Oregon State. Um, and I mean one of the things that really helped out their defense a lot, like I really can't emphasize this enough, was their defensive line. Well, they do have a guy named Hercules, so that helps. Right, right. And so but part, it's it's one of those things where I gave so much credit to their D-line coach last year, who I'm now ecstatic was our defensive line coach this year, but it's not like I can change my opinion that you know their defensive line coach was so fantastic and now he's gone. I'm like, oh, they're going to keep the same production. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Um, I don't think we're going to see a huge regression – but I do think we'll see some some losses. Um, I'm not exactly sure where on the schedule they host Montana State to open, host Boise State, host Oregon State, host Nevada, and then host USC on Friday. So they don't actually they don't play an away game until October. What's their over under? That's a great question. I think it was seven and a half. Seven and a half. I take the under 100% of the time. Interesting. Based on their – I just went through their schedule, which is Montana State. uh, Despite their recent history, I think they win that. Boise State, I think they probably lose. Um, That's just my gut feeling. So that's one and one. I think they probably beat Oregon State two and one. They probably beat Nevada three and one. And then they go on a pretty difficult stretch where they go USC, which is a loss, Oregon, which I pray is a loss. That's a tough win. Wait, so actually, uh, Bill C gives Oregon a 68% uh, or 68 win percent. So he has Washington State. Is a pretty sizable underdog. Yeah. I, anyway, going through their schedule, 
I ended up with them at six and six. So I think mm-hmm. setting the over under at seven and a half, um, I would take her on that the whole time. Interesting. Which games do you think they lose? USC, Oregon, Stanford, I think they Utah, lose. Washington? I think they lose Boise State, USC. Colorado. Colorado, Stanford, Utah, Washington. I mean, that's totally reasonable. But at the same time, who knows? They could they could go six and six, they could go eight and four, they could go nine and three. Uh, yeah, who knows? They really could. And so last year it went eight and five before having one of the worst performances at one of the worst bowl games I've ever seen, I think. I mean it's not Oregon State Pitt in the two thousand eight Sun Bowl bad. But it was a 12-17 loss to Minnesota. Like, it was so atrocious. Um, but yeah, even the year before that, they had some big wins. Like, uh, they had the double overtime win over Oregon, beat Oregon State, uh, beat, beat Arizona, but then they lost to Stanford and they beat UCLA, like, in the last, uh, like, Three and three weeks from the end of the year, and they almost beat Stanford on a field goal. Coog on Coog. Yeah. So, I think this is a really tough team to project because I don't think they're going to get seven or eight wins. It's going to be six, or it's going to be nine and ten. <laughs> I'll take the six. It's going to be six or it's going to be nine and ten. All right. Do we want to move on to the next game? The next team? Yeah. Um, All right. That's you know, our Oregon Ducks. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on Oregon. Yeah. Let's we'll just do this quick. All the time. Um, I am really looking forward to this year. Mostly because, A, um, I don't really expect anything. Wins-wise. Um, I'm expecting I, six. I, well, yeah. Yeah. I think if we had six, fine. I'm happy. Whatever. As long as the kids play hard, as long as we see some significant improvement, I think we're going to be just fine. And honestly, I think our schedule is really not that bad. We miss we're US. Not. Um, yes, we go to Washington and to Stanford, which is difficult, but I mean, non-conference at least, Southern Utah, that's basically a win. Nebraska at home, um, S&P has us at 69% win probability, which based on how close that game was last year and how bad we were last year, yeah. uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable about the Nebraska game. The Wyoming game scares me a little because you could have a hangover and it's at altitude and uh, their quarterback is a projected first-round NFL pick. But after that, once you get into conference play, conference play is really not that bad at at the start. We go to Arizona State, which is one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. You host Cal, which could 
be building towards something, but I don't think they're going to be there this year. They're going to be really good three years from now. You host Washington State, which, as you said, Bill C. projects us a 68% win probability. Then it's a little bit more difficult. You go to Stanford. You go to UCLA back-to-back, but I think UCLA is always overrated. You host Utah and hopefully beat the daylights out of Darren Carrington. And then you finish up at Washington, host Arizona, host Oregon State. So the draw that we have in the non-conference schedule and the fact that we got UCLA, Arizona, and Arizona State out of the South, and Utah, I guess, out of the South, um, I think our schedule bodes well for wins and as long as we see improvement and we see effort, I'm good. I definitely think we're going to see that. I think Bill Connolly has us projected to be number 77 on defense, um, which is a huge Consider- plus. Considering where we were last year, I would take 77 in a heartbeat. Yeah, at 126. It's terrible. Um, and it could be – I think if this were a year where we're competing for the championship – I would say playing at Stanford and at Washington is a huge problem for me. I think that's a best-case scenario. And the reason why is because with those with those games, those are going to be losses. Like they're they're most likely going to be losses. Like uh Bill Connolly gives basically 70% win odds for Stanford and Washington. Um, those are the two games that were not favored to win. Kind of just let a dog be a dog, in a way. Just let a bad game be a bad game. And, like, the flip side of that is, like, all of these winnable games or that are, like, somewhat contentious, like Utah, um, Oregon State, Washington State, having those at home is huge. Like, that's really the... If we're looking just to maximize wins, those are the games I'd rather have at home this year. Certainly. Um, you know, as long as we don't blow another game 70-21 to 21 to Washington, I'm, I'm okay with things. I don't think there's any way that happens. We just saw... I think... You know what was surprising me about that game, too, which is there was a very clear lack of effort by some of the players. And that's not me really watching people and being like, wow, this player's not trying, this player's not trying. That was me like basically looking at how the players were interacting with each other and a lot of them just really chewing each other out. Yeah. Like you could see like kind of what play went a certain direction um, and what player was the one that was basically kind of the target of that play, whether it was like leaving him open to make the play. Um, or getting sealed off in a way. And there were definitely a few people on defense, at least, where there were some people getting chewed out by other teammates. And there were honestly a few people in those games that we didn't see like the rest of the year after that game. Yeah, I can think of two off the top of my head that that was basically their their last hurrah. Yeah, but... And I mean, they were, they were, it was like very apparent too. Like watching the game, I'm like, "What are they doing?" That was the last time we saw them. Um, yep. Got cut. Um, 
But for this upcoming season, I'm very optimistic. I, I love the way that the program is trending right now with all of the, the momentum um, in terms of recruiting, in terms of guys getting back in the weight room. I think Justin Herbert at Pac-12 Media Days, it came out that he's gained something like 15 pounds in the summer. Um, yeah. Can only help. And I think he still has room to grow because he's got such a big frame where – I, I don't think a third place finish is out of the question. I don't even think necessarily a second place finish is out of the question. Uh, if that happened, it's it would really surprise me. Um, but I would be I would be surprised if we were fourth or fifth. I, I think third is kind of how it'll probably end up shaking out this year. Yeah, yeah. For us to get second, I think is extremely unlikely. And for us to get second, it would be Stanford would probably need to take a few big injuries that cost them a few conference games. Like maybe three conference games. Or maybe two. And there's a few like a few tie breaking policies gets us to number two. Yeah. That's really how I would see that as happening. Um I think even if Washington were to have a couple really bad injuries, they would still be okay. Um, and one of the things, too, I was, I was listening to is uh, the Behind the Bets podcast um, on ESPN with Chris Felica, who's known as the Bear on College Game Day, who has all the crazy advanced stats, super smart. Um, and then Stanford Steve, is they were really, really critical of Mike Riley at Nebraska. Like I think then they were basically saying like this is a this is a team that could realistically go six and six this year, and if Mike Riley goes six and six his third year, he might not see another season. You know that surprises me just because um and this is only one measure, but for some reason, I've been seeing so many recruits tweet out that Nebraska is in their top five or top ten. Nebraska and Oregon State. And I feel like I haven't seen Nebraska be in those conversations for so long. Um, when when they had Pelini and even before that, where maybe it's just me from the outside looking in, but it seems like Nebraska is trending up. Um, but who knows? You know, it's uh, if they go six and six again and they decide, all right, we had enough of Mike Riley being the nice guy. Uh, we're we're good on washing our hands clean of Polini. Let's go try and find somebody else. Uh, that's certainly reasonable. Yeah. So how, who else we got next? We got either Cal or Oregon State, which is going to be super fun either way. I think it's going to be Oregon State. Um, I think they were a year ahead of schedule last year, especially with how they started, like, they dropped a close loss to Minnesota, um, lost by a couple to Boise State, absolutely trounced by Colorado, who turned out to be really good, beat Cal. Um, they had a few close losses. Like They had a close loss to Utah, a close loss to Washington State, um, the close loss to Minnesota. Um, so it's definitely – and no close wins. So it's definitely a possibility that they can improve again. Um, and they looked, they looked fine in a lot of their games. Um, even in like the Stanford game or the UCLA game, they lost by a couple scores. 
they looked fine. Like, there wasn't anything terrible happening. Um, and I know, like uh, like you said, they were definitely shifting to a power and uh, a real power attack. And Ryan Nall, their, their running back, who's really like a fullback, um, he was 240 pounds. Not the fastest guy, but he definitely searches out, seeks out contact. Ryan Nall is the college football Mike Allstott. I mean, that's basically what he is. Yeah, or Peyton Hillis. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens with Oregon State. Um, what's their over-under in Vegas? Their over-under is five and a half. Five and a half. If it was me... Let me go through their schedule real fast. Okay. They're at Colorado State. How do you feel about that? I think that's a loss. You think that's a loss? Uh, okay. I think, I think it's a loss. It's an early game. It's August 26th. It's actually the first game of the college football season. It kicks off at 1230. Um, Colorado State is going for their fourth bowl in a row. They have a veteran quarterback in Nick Stevens, who at the end of last year was one of the top quarterbacks in terms of like total QBR. Um, and they're opening a brand new stadium and that place is going to be sold out and rocking. I would be surprised if Oregon state pulls that off. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I think, um, I think CSU is probably a four to five point favorite. Um, but I think that's probably a loss to start the Beaver season. Yeah, so they are actually a 41% win probability to win that game. They are favored in one, two, three, four games on Bill C's S&P Plus. And that is Portland State, Minnesota, which they get at home. Um, Colorado? What? Bill C must not be high in Colorado this year. Well, Colorado lost a lot. And Arizona State. We could talk about this in in our Pac-12 South preview, but Colorado lost a ton. They lost a ton in the secondary. They lost their starting quarterback. I I don't – they lost their defensive coordinator. Um, I I don't think that Colorado is going to be that good this year. Um, You know, they're not going to be completely basement, in my opinion, but it's not going to be the same Colorado that we saw last year. So I would, if I was guessing for Oregon State, I think they're probably going to end up 4-8. and eight. Another 4-8 and eight year. Yeah. You know, Interesting. Maybe 5-6, and six, um, but five I look seven. at... yeah. Yeah, uh, I look at the schedule, and I they'll beat Portland State. I think they'll beat Minnesota, but who knows? They probably lose to Washington State. They probably lose to Washington. They probably lose at USC. I mean, that is a really hard three-game stretch. And then they probably beat Colorado. Probably lose to Stanford. Probably beat Cal and Arizona and Arizona State. So I, I see four and eight, five and seven, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah, so they're at Colorado State, hosting Portland State, hosting Minnesota, at Washington State, hosting Washington after a bye, at USC, hosting Colorado, bye, hosting Stanford on a Thursday, at California, at Arizona, hosting Arizona State, at Oregon. The Based off of last year's play, I definitely think that this is a 4-8, 5-7 team. 
they would need to take a jump and really kind of topple some of these teams. And that's something that we can't... I don't feel like we can really predict at this point. Like, you're basically saying, are they going to take a jump? Yes. Then probably 6-6. Six and six. But I'm looking at the schedule, and I don't know who exactly that's going to be. Yeah. I, I, and don't get me wrong. I, I think that they're on the right track with Gary Anderson. Um, I, I think they, towards the end of last year, they certainly showed that they had the potential to be really good. Um, but it's it's hard for me to look at that schedule and see them winning more than five, at most, six games. Um, especially with, even though they have Ryan Nall and they have Thomas Tyner, um, oh, yeah. they, they have no solid quarterback. I mean, their, their projected starter is probably a JUCO transfer who used to play at Idaho, and he's like, what, 1.7 Osweilers tall. Um, I just don't think they're going to be that good. Yeah. Um, yeah, a part of it, too, is like, I think they're going to be better, but it's just where are they going to get these wins from? That's my big thing. That's well, where they're going to get the wins from. My, one of my favorite comments from the Pac-12 media week was uh, somebody asked Taggart about Tyner and he goes, who? It's Thomas Tyner. Oh, sorry, I don't know who that is. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Willie Taggart is just the right amount of petty. It reminds me of Russell Westbrook. It's like Steph Curry said uh, like this. Who's he? I've never heard of him. Um, so you were uh, one of the things that we were talking about was where they're going to get wins from. Uh, and I'm going to have a really smooth transition here. One of their wins will be when they play Cal. Oh, God. Oh, God. Cal will bring up the rear. Um, let's talk about Cal. Oh, God. They are in the running, though, for one of my favorite matchups. Their over-under is three and a half, which is too high. Ugh. Uh, they are only favored based on S&P in just three games. They're an underdog in eight and a 50-50 split in one. But one wait, of wait, my they're favorite... favored in three games? Yeah. Weber State is one. Weber State, Arizona. Really? Oregon State. But I think Oregon State will win that game. Oregon State's going to win that game. Um, one of my favorite matchups of the entire college football season, just in terms of culture, is when Cal on September 16th yes. hosts Ole Miss. Yes. It is going to be so much fun. Yes. There, I mean, there's probably going to be protesters at some point. Um, it, it's going to be great. So, I, I and we alluded to it to, to it earlier. They have a new head coach in Justin Wilcox. They have a new offensive coordinator in Bo Baldwin from Eastern Washington, who, ironically, he picked up and left Eastern Washington, but he was real upset when Vernon Adams wanted to transfer to Oregon. So, again the NCAA. Um, but he's proved that he's a very good offensive mind at Eastern Washington. Um, they do have a lot of young skill position players. Um, they're two of their leading receivers last year were both freshmen 
who were a four-star and a five-star, respectively. Yeah. And even though their offensive line is super young, and generally their entire team is really young, their whole offensive system in Bo Baldwin is based on getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand as, as quickly as possible. So that'll help with the offensive line in terms of growing in. Um, at the same time, though, they were bad last year, and they have lots of turnover. They have a new starting quarterback. They have a, they lost their leading receiver. They lost their leading rusher, and they lost five offensive linemen. They are going to be bad. And they're switching styles. Correct. On offense and defense. Yeah. The, uh, offensively, they're going from an air raid to, I don't know, what would you call Bo Baldwin's offense in Eastern Washington? Um, I don't know. It's probably just more of a spread. Yeah, like more, more balanced. Additional spread with more balance. And then defensively, they're switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Uh, you'll particularly enjoy this. So in doing the little amount of research that I did for this podcast, I tried to map out strengths and weaknesses for offense and defense for all of these teams. My first point as a weakness for their defense is just that they're bad. They're there's nothing, there's nothing really more to say. They're just a, a bad defense. And especially when you're moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and you probably don't have the uh, bodies to play a 3-4 yet, this season could hurt. And I think they're going to be really good in three years. But this yeah. season could hurt. Yeah, their defensive tackle is going to be 295 pounds. Not good in a to two play gap. four in a two gap. Yeah, although I have so much faith in uh, Wilcox and Azanaro, who was the defensive line coach for Chip Kelly when he was at Oregon and with the Eagles. And depending on who you listen to, the defensive coordinator at Oregon, um, the real defensive coordinator, which I don't know about that yeah I I would take that with a grain of salt um and Steve Greatwood is also at Cal yeah they have a lot of Oregon people uh Steve Greatwood as an arrow I know uh Oregon fan favorite uh Ramson Goldpotion went down there how do you say his name Goldpotion I think I thought it was Goldpotion yeah maybe I have no idea I just read it and it's like I know what those letters are. I recognize that person. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think there's a whole whole heck of a lot to say about Cal. Um, they're probably in a situation where this is a year zero. You know, this is a let's learn these systems, let's try and recruit and get a bunch of new guys in, and let's move forward to the future because. I don't see a whole heck of a lot of games on this schedule that are even remotely winnable, much less um, much less clear favorites. I don't understand how Cal is so bad at recruiting. Like how they aren't able to get many good players there. I don't understand why they still struggle so much. I think part of it might be that the US, the UC system is just having like kind of a lot of problems right now. And so there's a disconnect between 
the administration and the team, especially because Cal's athletic department runs at a $20 million deficit every year. And yeah, that's a story, which is Cal's athletic department is completely underwater. Which is uh, crazy because Hawaii is secretly been the most broke athletic department in the country. And they may be better off right now than Cal is. Cal's going to be paying for their stadium, their most recent stadium renovation, until 2113. And that assumes that their stadium doesn't break in an earthquake because it's built on a fault line. It's built on a fault line. And they just keep well, saying it's it's they're in a tough spot because it's such a historic site. But it's the cost of it is becoming so absurd to maintain that at some point they just have to say it's not feasible. Like we just cannot function as an athletic department having to pay for the stadium. It's like a white elephant. If there isn't a good metaphor for Cal's general football program that building your stadium on a fault line, I don't know what is. It's a great stadium, though. My favorite... So I went in 2012 um, to their stadium when they had finished the renovation and uh, didn't have bathrooms. And so on our entire side of the stadium, there are only porta potties. Not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Yeah. So, all right. So we have. Um, oh, you didn't say under. We didn't give our under over on Oregon minus eight. Uh, I probably say under. I'm saying under. But I would be ecstatic if it was. Yeah, I just don't. I think it's much more likely that they lose four games. Because basically, the clear losses are going to be to um, Stanford and Washington. And there has to be some allowance for a new coaching staff. Um and, yeah, I mean, just like a new coaching staff overall. I just think if we're looking at what's more likely to happen than not to have happen, it's six wins to eight wins is much more likely than nine to, tw- nine to like, ten wins, really. Um, so I, th- I just have a hard time finding, uh, like, an eighth and ninth win. I just don't know exactly where they're going to come from, basically. Like Cal, Oregon State, um, Southern Utah, I feel fine about. But like the rest of them, I'm not so sure. But I would agree. Yeah, you know, it's uh, in eight wins, you get your money back basically. So in summation, we're both over on Washington. We're both over on Stanford. Under on Cal. Oregon, Washington State, and Oregon State. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Nice. Nice. 
So, um, that is how we see the North. We will actually be doing a South preview um, as well. And I don't know what, what Rusty has planned um, in terms of when they're going to be out. But uh, you can look forward to, to both of those. If you made it to the end of this, bless you. Because it's probably a little bit boring. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. You're right. We're great. All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We'll probably have a few more podcasts soon because we got to preview, go through the schedule in depth. We got to go through some position breaks, uh, do some positional breakdowns, and then just the first week is going to be here before we know it. 35 days. First week is going to be here before we know it. And spring practices start Monday, so you'll have to practice reports probably by the time you listen to this. Come on, Rob. (laughs) Come on, Rob. All right. Talk to you guys probably in the next few days.